It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hooray for Saturdays, guys! We're yeah. back! Yay. Yeah, be, be excited. It's We're the start so of the weekend. We're so excited for Saturday. It's Sunday. It's, it's Saturday. It's the Saturday Friends Club. We record on Saturdays and post on Saturdays. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm your I'm your best friend. Why are you whispering? I thought you were going to say, I'm your butt. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not your butt. I totally, though, I thought that was the next thing to be. I was, no. <laughs> if, if we were the Power Rangers, I would not want to be the butt part of the Power Ranger. Do you Too know bad, you're the butt. Yeah, if you think about it, like, part of two of the Rangers have to be a butt. Yep. I, was it? Because I feel like the... Woolly Mammoth's whole body turned into like the main torso, so wouldn't that involve the the buttocks of the uh if you, unless if you, you count the legs as being part of the buttocks? <laughs> I would have mm. to actually look at it. I don't know if the if the legs turn into a butt or if the uh, if the mammoth turns into a butt. Hey Google. <laughs> <laughs> someone get Siri, someone get uh, Alexa on the phone. <laughs> Which part of the Power Ranger is the butt? <laughs> This is quality. For some reason, she just video. recorded the butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she got to the to the computer. The Wait, there's a song called "Doing the Butt." Oh no! <laughs> what? Guy, uh, hold on, hold on. Not that surprising, but true. <laughs> we just stay. Let's not, let's, not, let's not lose ourselves, people. Let's not go into panic mode. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Is it? Oh no, we can't. What is happening? The scene from the classic movie School Days, doing the butt. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, welcome to the Saturday Friends Club. That's, that yeah, is that. on the bonus content. Where we're doing the butt. I'm Josh. <laughs> uh, Sabrina's here. Hello. Uh, we have Stefan here. Hey, out there. And Eric's here. I'm here. And we're the Saturday Friends Club. And we're doing the butt. <laughs> Is that like a dance? In the butt. What? In the butt. This is not how I expected. Oh, brother, we're out there to start. This got off real, off to a real weird start. This segue is going to be a rough one. Maybe we can find it. Tell you what, we we were going to talk about my cat. Yes. Uh, Speaking of butts, we don't have to talk about the cat. No, we 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 promised to talk about. Hold on, Sabrina's like, I want to, I want to know about the Power Rangers butt, but then we mentioned your adorable kitten that everyone would love, and you're like, no, we we want to talk about her. If you want to see my cat. Be a Patreon and pay five dollars yeah. a month. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The new new thing to Patreon. We will create a room and that is specifically pictures, for pet photos. Pictures of my cute cat. You have to pay for those. Certainly can't go to a Twitter feed or anything. No, no. I haven't posted any pictures anywhere of her actually, so it would well, be exclusive. Well, she is yep. disgustingly adorable. Well, there you go. Yep. I, I will set up a, a room that is just for pet photos, and you Woo. can see our new bee. I have an update. I think the Tyrannosaurus might actually have been the butt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mystery solved. Glad we got that one out of the way. It would have haunted me all day, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like they do that. You get like you get home and your husband's like, "What do you like? You look distracted. What's the problem?" Like thinking about the butt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show. Um. So yes. Uh. Over here at the Saturday Friends Club, we bring up things to our fr- our good friends and force them to watch it and decide if they actually enjoy it. This week is my week. I get to decide what everybody watches. And this week, since we've kind of been going off of a musical bend these past five-ish episodes, yeah, um, we recently did um, 
that thing, that uh, yellow submarine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we had Thumbelina before that. We oh. had... <laughs> I know you have opinions on Thumbelina uh, after I the fact. I was not able to make that episode, but boy, howdy. Yep. Uh, so I am bringing up a, a little bit of Southern twang. Uh, twang. Uh, I am <laughs> what is that look you just gave me, Sabrina? A little Southern twang. Uh, Stop it. <laughs> listen, I may just degenerate back into full Southern accent in this, uh, in this episode, because I'm bringing up Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, the uh, the Joel and e- e- Ethan. Ethan. What? I can't word right now. Uh, uh, Cohen mm. movie starring George Clooney, John Turuno. Uh, Turturro? Turturro. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, the guy who's in like Nelson, every movie ever. John Goodman, Holly Hunter, and Charles Dunning. Um, this is a movie that I very much enjoy, and I was curious. So um, my watching of this, uh, I obviously didn't see it in theaters. I think I saw it a few years after... Um, when it hit DVDs and just generally enjoyed it because one, it is a, I think it's a good musical movie over it being probably a good, it's still a good film, but I think it's a fantastic musical. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that there is from growing up in the South, there is some horrible like genetic code that like. Anything. You were just activated by the, like a Manchurian candidate by this like, movie. Like you hear a banjo, and as much as your body attempts to suppress it, like you no, it, not that banjo. <laughs> that one, that one, we've been learned to hate. <laughs> but you heard squeal a, like you, a piggy. You heard, you, heard a, you heard a banjo, and like your foot just started tapping. You're like, you're like. Within seconds, you're just, like, your brain is like, reset. If like, you hear a fiddle just start going just real good, hoot, you just start a, a stomping. Hoot, a hooting uh, anime starts up. Out of nowhere, you pull out you know, spoons. You, you, yeah. you oh, turn, like, God, dude. Spoon. As a kid, I tried to play the spoons so much. Um, oh, mainly, God. Mainly because there was a, what, what was that Nickelodeon show? The Elephant Show, I think it was. And, like, part of the thing that they did was they, like, what, somebody just had spoons all the time, and they played spoons. The what? elephant show. The elephant show. Are you talking about Babar? No, it, it was called the Elephant Show. You could Google it; I'm sure it will come up as the Elephant Show. Uh, um, gets their hey Google. Oh God, Christ! <sighs> it's okay. She didn't hear me. Yeah, that's also, fine. She just pulls up the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you wanted this again. Well, you. Anyway, uh, but yeah, back on track. Yeah, as much of a track as we could have. Um, But yeah, I just had some like there was is interesting. It's uh, based off of Sharon Lewis and Bram's Elephant Show. Yeah, dope crap, man. Um, But yeah, I just kind of have some fondness for it. Has anybody else seen Oh Brother? Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Brother. Uh, Well, I saw it. I, I saw it back in the day. I had like I think my my family had the soundtrack so i definitely listened to that uh yeah it's good it's it's a good it's a good anyone else uh, sabrina you had you seen it yeah yeah several times cool neato stefan i knew of it <gasps> so Ooh. this is yeah, your this, this is my first yeah i always love it when somebody's like we usually have uh our, our our old boy i can't remember his name anymore uh be our surrogate first watcher mm? martin <laughs> I'm, t- I'm just playing on martin because oh. he hasn't been here so long um, oh, he's yeah, yeah he's being a he's being a butt by like trying to further himself with higher education. Such so annoying, lame. Such a tyrannous. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so had you <laughs> such, such a T Rex butt? T Rex butt. 
<laughs> or is it a mastodon butt? Uh, that's where the Skinnamarinky song came from. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Skinnamarinky. Oh, I God. love you. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> God. Hey, this uh, is Saturday. This is all in the purview of Saturday Friends Club stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's completely just. It's all the weird nostalgia stuff. Watching the elephant show is probably not going to hold up as much. Mm, I don't think so. It's like when we watched. Uh, Get yeah. triggered. Yeah. Just a little. Bit. I feel attacked by this. <laughs> Um, has, so I assume you've heard uh, heard of Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I I have the trailer for some weird reason really sticks in my brain. So I, I had something to go on, and then when I mentioned it to uh, my hubby, he was like, "Oh, I can't wait for you to watch it. Let me watch it with you." And I was like, uh, "Sure." So, and then a lot of questions came up, so it was nice. Usually he asks me the questions. This time it was flipped. So I asked him the questions, and he got very indignant about it. So, you know. why, why do you think I know these things? <laughs> exactly, pretty much. So I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm sure that you can ask me plenty of questions about my southern guilt as a, <laughs> as a guy from the south. I, I, I commented earlier, but I like the idea, because this came out in the year 2000, same as a movie we did recently, Gladiator. And as much as as Gladiator is like hot and uh, hot and dry, this movie is hot and wet. So we're like, on the outer end of the elemental juicy. scale. Like it's, it, yeah, it feels <laughs> it feels like this room. It's a little like it's hot and it feels just maybe a little bit moist. Yeah, like there's still just yeah, that's right. That's the word I use. Moistness, the movie, moist. like a butt. Delicious. Yeah. I hope Mags isn't listening. <laughs> Yeah, they're not, they're, they're not going to like this. Yeah, yeah. They, they hate that word. Bite down on the wallet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Let me go ahead and uh, move forward here uh, to this. So let's go ahead and talk about... Um, let's go ahead and talk about, about running from the law. Uh, let's talk about trying to get that big score that you pulled full years ago. Let's go ahead and talk about going and seeing your cousin. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about having a journey across all of Mississippi. And going to that clan meeting. <laughs> well, I mean. When in Mississippi. When, when, yeah. yeah. Saturday with my family. Uh, <laughs> let, well, all right. Well, then let's talk about, oh, brother, where art thou? Sun went down and the jungle fire was burning. Down the track came a hobo hiking, and he said, "Boys, I'm not turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away, beside the crystal fountains. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, there's a land that's fair and bright, where the handouts grow on bushes." And you sleep out every night Where the boxcars all are empty And the sun shines every day On the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees The lemonade springs where the bluebird sings In the bleak rock candy mountains I hate how much of this, like, sings to some sort of DNA within <laughs> Again, me. yeah, you're just being activated like the, <laughs> like the Manchurian kid. <laughs> It's like good arm. Instead arm of movement, but like you know? instead of assassinating the president, you're just like getting ready for a hootenanny. I'm basically like finding myself floating down a river on an inner tube with like a cooler next to you, me. You wake like up on and a string. You yeah. wake up and you've you. just like I, I don't know where I, I can't remember the last hour, but I have like a jug in my hand. <laughs> I've been blowing into it. Yes, yeah, so I'm in a jug band yes. now. Uh, I play I play the washboard. I was gonna um, say I think you're a washboard guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to make that joke. <laughs> 
uh, an oh. occasional backup dancer. Like you know, you got the legs for the, you know, the stomp. <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got to have a stomper. You like stomper. you got you got I got the guy that taps the box. Like yeah. you know, it's a real it's a real like uh, it's a it's a very it's a very classy art form. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, oh brother, like where art is. thou? Is a two thousand. Here's another good uh, good setup. Uh, two thousand crime comedy film. Uh, what? <laughs> I saw this, this earlier too, and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> this is this can go up there with family family horror as a st- <laughs> crime comedy. Crime, crime comedy. comedy. <laughs> uh, I I almost could uh, put crime crime comedy fantasy film in there if you so wanted to. Uh, this is a work of classic literature, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, written, produced, and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. I can say it this time. Mm. Uh, and the film is set in 1937 rural Mississippi during the Great Depression. It's a story of modern satire loosely based on Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, that incorporates mythology from the American South. The title of the film is a reference to the 1941 film Sullivan's Travels, in which the protagonist is a director who wants to film Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, a fictional book about the Great Depression. Uh, the mo- the movie is probably, as said, most recognized for the fact that it has a ton of folk music mixed within it, mm-hmm. um, to the fact that the, I believe, the uh, album itself, yeah, uh, received pros- positive reviews and the soundtrack won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Um, and the music of it, I believe, went like three times platinum. Yeah, I think this is especially especially among soundtracks. This movie uh, is was popular. Yeah, and I think that there's actually there was a tour that happened afterwards of people that actually like toured the country playing the music from Oh Brother Where Art Thou just because it was that iconic. Yeah, yeah. I can believe it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a real. As said, there's there's definitely enough people with that DNA code where they're just like, <laughs> I can't stop dancing. <laughs> oh boy yeah. uh well shall we get into it i said the the wikipedia oh that's not too bad for a, a wikipedia listing there well oh. yeah let's well, keep let's keep it under control we'll keep it, yeah we'll keep it brief uh 1937 mississippi during the great depression three convicts ulysses everett mcgill pete hogwallop and delmore o'donnell escape from a chain gang and set out to retrieve a supposed treasure Everett buried uh, before its locale was flooded to make a lake and provide electricity for the state. Um, we get a pretty good little scene right up front where basically they're running from the chain gang and they're all running together because they are chained together, mm-hmm. at which they all run and fall at the same time and get back up and run at the same time. Just- well, they're falling, like I guess, in time with when they think the the guy the officer watching the chain gang turns in that direction that's why they keep dropping mm-hmm. at least that's what i thought they were doing it didn't look like they were tripping and falling no it looked like yeah, they were falling like in time just to be like oh i was looking fall uh mm-hmm. then you get a scene like directly after it where they are trying to jump onto a box car oh yeah i, I like that <laughs> that made me laugh really hard he's talking to his hobos and they're like running outside and they, they finally trip up and he just like Yanked back out of the car. <laughs> yeah, basically he's trying to he's just basically George Clooney's character uh, Ulysses is basically trying to put on the charm to these boxcar hobos, and they're just like they obviously don't care. And yeah, when the last guy trips, which drags him back out of the boxcar, um, to which they get their first like uh, weird primi- weird kind of supernatural premonition when the uh, the man pushing the uh, the 
what are those little push? Uh, would it be a push cart? Yeah, I think it's just a push hand cart. Car, I think. Hand yeah, car. yeah, hand car. Yeah, he's moving that along and basically tells them that you know they've got this journey and there's going to be these these wild and crazy things that they're going to come across on their journey. Well, 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 we should we should preface this if you've not seen this movie. Uh, it is meant to be a like kind of parody, it kind of follows uh, loosely the trail of the Odyssey, and so the I think uh, what is this? He's the the blind seer, the oracle, or wait, no, girls were oracles, right? It's not the oracle of Delphi, but anyway, yeah, anyway so a, he was a seer, seer yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiresis, I think his name, but anyway, uh, so. Oh, well, we should chime in and say which characters are which. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, he states that they will find the fortune, but not the one that they seek. Uh, the trio then make their wings to the home of Wash, Pete's cousin, uh, where they have a nice discussion with Pete's cousin to wish. They're ha- I remember the scene that they were having dinner. And they're just like, my, this is a this is um this is real good. Uh, this horse. And it's like, yeah, thought it went bad. Died about a week ago. Yeah, so, tell oh, them go the like stew's mighty good. Like oh, I killed this horse like two weeks ago. I think she's starting to turn. <laughs> and just that that weird, just, like half of the people that they talk to is just this like real. Yeah, these are your people, Josh. <laughs> no, they're not. Not as much. Um, <laughs> adjacent. I, I knew of people that were of this ilk. Uh, okay. Um, they were adjacent. Uh, so they sleep in the barn, but as uh, as to a, a collect their reward, Wash reports them to Sheriff Cooley, who, among with his men, torches the barn. After Pete angrily blows up Cooley's police van, uh, Wash's son helps him escape. Can I just say that that whole interaction, I was, like, dying. It's like, you can't betray my kin. It's like, you betrayed me. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> also, it's, like, yeah, it's like, Ken, don't betray Ken. And he's just like, I'm sorry. I need the money. It's like, you son of a bitch. I just, it's I, like, I, we're I, in I did a depression, like rep- whatever that is. He kept repeating, oh, we're in a tight spot. He said it like yeah, five yeah, times. In the background. I like that. Tight spot. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a good movie. Uh, Pete and Delmar are baptized by a group of Christians on at a river, which also includes one of probably my favorite lines where it's just like, I got my sins washed away. <laughs> hey, I even washed away when I knocked over that. <laughs> that so, so like the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> you said you was, you was innocent of that. Well, I lied. And I got forgiven for that, too. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's so yeah. There's a lot of good like the little. The, the, it's yeah, very very yeah. Imagine this is the Coen Brothers filtered through a like hyper southern like lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got that kind of bantery quality to it. Uh, the trio then picks up Tommy Johnson, a young black man who claims he is. Uh, he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for the ability to play the guitar. Uh, in need of money, the four stop at a radio broadcast tower where they record a song as the Soggy Bottom Boys. The radio manned by Jimmy James, uh, Stephen Root, who's another Coen Brothers actor, but he's he's awesome. Oh, he, yeah, and this entire scene is just completely great. Um, the point where it's just like, I don't want to say the particular terms, but they're just like, oh, do you sing this? Mu- are you do you sing this music? No. Oh, okay. Well, we don't want that. It's like, well, actually, we do. Uh, that's actually exactly what we are. Uh, then there's the scene of just like, well, the radio manager is blind. Yeah. Uh, and basically, yeah. And alongside that, after they sing, there's like, oh, that was mighty fine here. Let me get y'all signed up here on this form. And they're just like, uh, well, Sarah, I just want you to know that our uh, our two accompaniments uh, cannot actually. Uh, they're just gonna have to sign with X's. they don't know how to write <laughs> and basically just like oh yeah give us more of a cut <laughs> uh so let's see um 
That night, the trio part ways with Tommy after their car is discovered by the police. Unbeknownst to them, the recording that they made has become a major hit across Mississippi. Uh, the trio inadvertently fall in with bank robber George Babyface <laughs> Nelson, Such of all weird, people. Weird scene. <laughs> And, and help him with a heist where he leaves them with his share of the loot. The next day, the group hears singing. They see three ladies washing clothes in a river singing. The ladies drug them with corn liquor and they lose consciousness. Upon waking, Delmar finds that Pete's clothes lying next to him empty except for a toad. Yeah, they, they, these are the sirens. <laughs> and the, the sirens, the I mean, like, I've got the music. The sirens is probably, like, the most... Um, yeah, it's probably the most like well-known music from this, just because it's just, not "Man of Constant Sorrow." I mean, "Man of Constant Sorrow" is really good, and I'll play that in a little bit. But this is probably the one that I'll just like have in the back of my mind of just like this is this is activating, <laughs> ready, ready to do whatever it is. Well, because the scene is also like it's unusual that a scene like this feels sinister. Like well, you know they're up to no good. Yeah, they're up to no good, but like it's such a stop in the film, and you're just like, I don't know. It, it, like in a way, it's it's if you look at this on its level, it's just a, like a really, I wouldn't say innocent thing, but it's a very benign thing. But then all of a sudden, it's just like, but no, this music for some reason gives like, I don't know, like a strange edge to it, just because of the fact that it kind of has a siren. Yeah, kind of song to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Rock Candy Mountain is my favorite one. Big Rock Candy Mountain is really good. <laughs> Big Rock Candy Mountain is like an actual folk song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As is pretty much all the music that they have inside of here. Um, let's see. Uh, Delmar is convinced the ladies were sirens and transformed Pete into a toad. Uh, later, one-eyed Bible salesman Big Dan Teague John Goodman invites them for a picnic lunch where he mugs them and then kills the toad. Uh, See, he, for yeah. this, I felt so betrayed by, by him. I don't know why. I was like, how could you? He's <laughs> because trying- like, recently, all I've, like any movie that has him in it, he's playing such a sinister person. Mm-hmm. And I've been like, what? <laughs> You've had this in you this whole time? <laughs> no, not <Yeah>. you. <laughs> you, were, you were just waiting for this to be the one where he was the nice guy. Yeah, which is like, oh, good. The salve. He'll help. He's the, nice, he's the good guy the in, one, the in one Speed redeem- Racer. Yeah, the one redeeming person from uh, Roseanne. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, he's the good guy in Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah. He is the, he is the father in Speed Racer, which is a great movie. It Watch is. Speed Racer. Watch Fred it. Listen to our episode. Come on. Um... Yeah, and he is the Cyclops, by the way. He's one-eyed, and they, like, they reference it later when he, he nearly gets the, like, stick through the eye, but then <laughs> manages to catch it. Uh, let's see. Um, so, yeah, basically mugs them. And the mugging itself is pretty funny just because he's, like, th- they're just having this casual conversation about just, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Bible salesman. He goes, like, pulls off a limb from the tree. <laughs> Just kind of gets, them and then just like starts clubbing it with him. And George Clooney's mm-hmm. character is just like, just has this kind of moment of just like, wait, what a second, what's going on here? As he's chewing corn. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, what? Uh, Everett and Delmar arrive in Everett's hometown. Everett confronts his wife Penny, who changed her last name and told his daughters that he was dead. Uh, <laughs> he picks a fight with Vernon T. Walrip. Oh, I was just saying the like the whole. So he, the, the, his wife told him, told the daughters that he was hit by a train and killed. And he's, just, and he's like, what? 
like, so I told them that you like got uh, you got arrested and put into prison and in this prison gang and then just like don't worry lots of great lots of great people hit by trains <laughs> or I like just the daughters talking about the fiance is like he's bonafide <laughs> oh yeah like, every five yeah. seconds he's bonafide yeah. little, little per, little, like just a little bit too precocious yeah well he picks a fight with Vernon T Wallop her new bonafide suitor and ultimately loses. Uh, they see Pete working on a chain gang and later that night sneak into Pete's holding cell and free him. <laughs> yeah, working on a chain game, uh, also going into the movie theater. The movie theater, I think, oh. is supposed to be the, is, is the underworld in the Odyssey parallel. Ah. They, they see the spirit of the dead. <laughs> Do not seek the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> They're just looking back like, what? Uh, let's see. Um... Uh, yeah, so sneak into Pete's holding cell and free him. As it turns out, the ladies at the river had dragged Pete away and turned him over to the authorities, at which, under and under torture, Pete gave away the location of the treasure to the police. Everything confesses that there is no treasure. He made it up to convince the others that he was chained... Uh, he was chained with to escape with him in order to stop his wife from getting married. And his real reason for being sent to jail in the first place was for practicing law while unlicensed. <laughs> we should also say that they're being pursued by the, a sheriff, like this Southern sheriff who is, who is supposed to be the devil. Yeah. yeah. And he's played by uh, George's boss from later, later seasons of Seinfeld, <laughs> uh, Mr. Kruger. Uh, he he has these circular glasses that are completely reflective and yeah. just like does have just this sinister kind of look to him. Mm-hmm. It's reminiscent of a uh, cool hand Luke. Yeah. Because they yeah, have same. like the chain gang leader guy has the same deal too. Man, I haven't seen that movie in a million years. Taking all the coat here, balls. It's like <laughs> taking all the coat there, Luke. Uh, Pete is enraged at Everett because he had two weeks left of his original sentence and now must serve 50 more years for escaping. Uh, the trio stumble into a night rally of the Ku Klux Klan, who are planning to hang Tommy. The trio disguise themselves as the color guard and attempt to rescue Tommy. I thought that was... Question. Okay, sorry. I, was sorry, just, sorry. I thought it was like the, the, they have the, the clan meeting and they're all they're doing like a musical number. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny because they're, they're doing like a, a marching countermarch dance while they like sing to it, like chant to it. It was funny. It was like the guards at the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what it reminded yeah. me of too. So uh, my, my husband is a six foot four blonde gentleman and I'm a short Latino man. And I'm watching this and I turn to him and I go like, do they do that at all their rallies? <laughs> and he looked at me completely stone faced. And he was like, why on earth do you think I would know something like that? And then I look at him like, you expect me to look at salsa and tell you if it's spicy or not. <laughs> Just my sight. I can't ask you this question. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have some sort of like, like salsa sense? Like, like a salsa sense? Like, and then he just looked at me and he's like, that that seems fair. I mean, <laughs> like, all right. You obviously should be able to tell if salsa is spicy, while his white people should be able to tell if these are things that do are they, racist. I, I a, think that you guys yeah. should, you know, know it's because we're, we're, no, we're notoriously self-reflective about racism. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, so, however, Big Tan, who is revealed to be a Klansman, reveals their identities. Chaos ensues, and the Grand Wizard reveals himself as Homer Stokes, a candidate in the upcoming gubernatorial election. There's kind of an undercurrent behind this, where there's like the, the there's a governor's race going on. Yeah, there's basically two governors running. The the, the incumbent and his like large adult son, <laughs> who and is he, comp- of, he was the voice of Peter Griffin's dad. Francis Griffin. Huh. So, He's, like, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, Francis? Is he the guy who plays the big, <laughs> really? like, the elder Lebowski? 
Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he's 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 the uh, big Lebowski, oh, the actual man. big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, the bums lost Lebowski. <laughs> another, My condolences. Yeah, another Cohen uh, plug in there. Man, like, have you have you just just an aside? But speaking of him, have you seen the death of Stalin? No. Anyone who's everyone that's listening to this, go watch that movie. That movie's amazing, and he's in it, and he plays a monster. <laughs> uh, so proceed. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, there, there's the entire gubernatorial race. Basically, the incumbent is having problems because the reform uh, guy is basically able to whip everybody up into a fervor. Uh, turns out that he's a Klansman, and somehow, uh, just to to tie that button that up, people get upset not only that he's a Klansman, but also to the fact that he doesn't like the Soggy Bottom Boys, uh, which causes him to like lose. The soggy I, I, I love the, the, the I mean it is kind of funny this movie has the reversal of like not only do they like they, they racism is like a theme is a theme of this movie in a kind of like in in, in there but at the very end like this all white Mississippi crowd in the 30s is all like totally fine with it at the end yeah it's it's a little bit funky but I mean when you got this as a background like join some soggy bottom boys. Uh, so let's see, find my way through this the last bit. I'm sorry. It's just, I said, just takes me places. <laughs> <laughs> takes you back to your roots. Sitting out on the back porch, just looking out upon the day, looking at the little flies buzz about. I don't think any of this is real. <laughs> just looking at the setting sun. All right, let me uh, actually smooth this forward. And um, I have to correct myself. It is not the same actor from Death of Stalin, but you should still watch that movie. Okay. Proceed. Uh, let's see. So, two, two, up to coming. Uh, the trio rush Tommy away and cut the supports of the large flaming cross, leaving it to fall onto Big Dan, killing him. <laughs> well, he nearly gets, he, like, the Confederate flag goes flying through the air, and, the, like, the, the staff nearly stabs him in the eye, which is the Cyclops reference, and he catches it, and they're like, oh, impressive. And then they, like... As they're leaving, they cut the wires and the flaming cross, and it falls right on him. So, ha-ha. Uh, Everett convinces Pete, Delmar, and Tommy to help him win his wife back. They sneak into Homer Stokes' campaign gala while she is attending, disguised as bearded musicians. The group begins to performance of their now-popular radio hit. The crowd recognizes the song and goes wild. Stokes recognizes them as the group who interfered with his mob. Furious, he interrupts the group's performance and demands them to be arrested. Accidentally exposing his white supremacist views, and the crowd responds by running him out of town on a rail, which is actually a pretty. Uh, there's a Wikipedia references on that as well. Riding the rail was a punishment prevalent in the United States in the 18th and 19th centuries, in which the offender is made to straddle a fence rail held to the shoulders of two more bears. The subject was then paddled around town and taken to the city limits and dumped by the roadside. Wow. Mm. <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah, that's one of the better, nicer Southern judgments. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the slap on the wrist. And, and, <laughs> and if you're white, uh, yeah. Um, so let's see. All right, uh, Papi O'Donnell, the incumbent candidate, seizes this opportunity, endorses the Soggy Bottom Boys, and grants them full pardons. Uh, Penny agrees to marry Everett with the condition that he find her original ring. Uh, the next morning, the group sets out to retrieve this ring, which is at the cabin at the valley where Everett had earlier claimed was the relocation of the treasure. The police, having learned of the place from uh, from Pete, were ready to arrest the group. 
Callously dismissing their claims of having received pardons, Sheriff Cooley orders them hanged. Just as Everett prays to God, the valley is flooded where they are saved. Everett finds the ring in a roll-top desk that Tommy uh, rides, and they then return to town. However, when Everett presents the ring to Penny, it turns out that it was not her ring. She doesn't want that one, and she can't remember where she put the real ring. The blind man is seen pushing his hand car once again. <laughs> uh, I like Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It's pretty good. <laughs> there's actually there's, there's a lot going on in this movie, uh, and so we didn't want to just belabor the, the all every little thread, but it kind of loosely follows the Odyssey, but like out of order. Uh, and from the description, of it, it sounds like no one, it, almost no one involved in it had actually read the Odyssey. <laughs> sounds like what's going to happen with our next movie. Um, oh, come on, guys. Oh, come on. <laughs> p we love you. Uh, let's see. The film's, track, film, the film's soundtrack, as I said, became an unlikely blockbuster, surprising the success of the films. It sold five million cof- copies, spawned its own documentary, three follow-up albums of O oh Sister and O oh Sister 2, two concert tours, and won Country Music Awards for Album of the Year and Single of the Year for Man of Constant Sorrow. Huh. It also won five Grammys, uh, hit number one on the Billboard album charts, uh, and 63 weeks after its release, uh, uh, and over a year after the release of the film. Huh. Wow. Okay. People really liked the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of good. Hmm. I said, it speaks to that, to that part of <laughs> it some of our, did like a huge chunk of the country. <laughs> Turns out a large part of the country just have that, that twang inside of them. <laughs> Uh, George Clooney, upon reading the script, did not immediately understand his character and so sent the script to his uncle Jack, a tobacco farmer who lived in in Kentucky, and asked him to read the entire script into a tape recorder. Unknown to Clooney, in this recording, Jack, a devout Baptist, omitted all instances of the word damn and hell from the Cohen script, which only became known to Clooney after the directors pointed out uh, this to him in the middle of shooting. Jack had never been on a plane before flying for the premiere. So he flew his devout Baptist, uh, real country boy, tobacco yeah. growing. Uh, yeah. Mitch McConnell voting. Uh, let's see. Man of Constant Sorrow was first published in 1913 by the blind Richard Burnett. Uh, the, pre- the prisoner's musical chant at the beginning of the movie was an actual recording of a chain gang. I think huh. it actually, if I remember uh, something else that was mentioned in here, it was salvaged audio from like the 1940s. That they actually huh. found a way to repurpose and actually put back into it. So it's actually like people on a chain gang actually singing that music. Huh. Uh, let's see. Wow, that's a big long block. Um, I think I'll leave it to that. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I really like. It's fun. It's, it's really good music. Yeah, and I completely forgot. I rewatching again. Like, I think you commented, like, this is probably the first Coen Brothers movie I actually saw. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, oh, right, this is a Coen Brothers movie because it's like, it's not like a lot of the other ones. I don't know. It's got that. It's it's a little bit of that where it's like uh, well, like well laid plans going wrong kind of thing. That yeah, they're, I they're mean, fond of. It's. I think watching this was like, oh, I should go watch other stuff to which leads to Lebowski that leads <laughs> down the 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 t- the tube of everything else that they create. Yeah, so it's it's got that kind of Coen Brothers. There's some little bits of their humor kind of poke through. It's like like weird, like quirky characters and like their banter is like central to it. It's like Coen Brothers and Wes Anderson are just like in that same wheelhouse. Yeah, sort of like like. um, Yeah. So this is yeah, this was fun. I I was happy to go revisit this movie 
Oh, this was a fun one. Yep. Uh, what would you say? I mean, honestly, I I was kind of enchanted by it. I think that's a really good word to use because uh, I uh, usually, out of habit, do, do not really take a look at like folklore of America. I usually take a look at folklore of other countries because I think I quote unquote know know everything that I need to know about mm-hmm. the U.S. So. Mm-hmm. Watching all of this and hearing the folk music actually really enticed me to dig deeper and just see what else there could be. Mm-hmm. So I uh, actually went on Amazon last night and like bought a bunch of books on it. So I'm actually hmm. stoked to there's stoked to read up on it. There's definitely like a lot of like like southern folklore, folk tales, that kind of thing that that is is not really it's not doesn't get very much mainstream attention. Yeah, because I think I think some some of it is just like unfortunately sandwiched in just the the unfortunate parts of Southern history, but yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of stuff that people don't think about as American, you know, stories like tall tales. Tall tales are American folk stories, but there are their stories based on real people. So, like the story about a uh, Paul Bunyan. Or Davy Crockett. Davey like Crockett. we have real actual accounts of those people, yeah. but the ones that people like to tell are the tall tale versions. Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, Johnny Appleseed. So these are real people that over time have become these giant fantastical p- characters yeah. in our history just because, you know, through the tradition of oral storytelling, the stories just got more and more ridiculous the more it was told, basically. Yeah, the, the actual Johnny Appleseed originally was, he was more about growing apples so you can make, like, booze out of it. Right. That was the focus of it. But that's not the one you get here in school, so. Yeah. And then you do have, like, your, like, the ones I actually grew up, like, reading was the Briar Rabbit stories, which are, which I did not even know were racist until I got older and someone oh, yeah. said that they were racist. You, yeah, like, we, you went into your, you had the, like your whole like uh, kids series books of like. Yeah, there's like a Mark whole Twain bunch of the. Yeah, I, I had Mark Twain, but then this was like a separate like little oh, okay. collection. And one book was just all of the Briar Rabbit stories. And I didn't understand that Tar Baby was basically referencing black people like i never knew that when i was listening to the when i first read the stories this, this it's movie just, oh. it's pretty sad yeah yeah this movie also kind of dances around that i think for the the sake of keeping it like a light light in a comedy yeah. Yeah. yeah um i i will say that like i do have a fondness for that type of like uh, american mythology mm-hmm. or southern mythology the thing that i always like and I, I will admit that I have some form of Southern guilt. I don't think it's anything of like, oh, I feel like I'm responsible, but it's like, hey, boy, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, the race that I am weren't dicks for so long? I, I think it's um, the eternal question problem of just like, I, I I find certain things about this place I'm from is interesting, but it's just always mired in like all this other, like the much bigger like elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, the The thing I will say is it's like looking at all these stories uh, especially the ones that are American folklore and going like how many of these were repurposed from African folklore, uh, you know, Native American folklore that were pulled from any of these different groups uh, that have just been m- perhaps even whitewashed over time. And we just don't know. They've just become their I own thing. I believe Briar Rabbit was original. It was like a mixture of when the African slaves came over, they would mix basically their folklore 
but like because their children were growing up in America, a land that they didn't grow up in, they'd have to change their stories to match the character, basically to the match the environment. the environment that they live in. So I forget Briar Rabbit wasn't originally Briar Rabbit. Briar Rabbit was probably another character. Mm-hmm. Like, but because their kids are growing up in America, they're like, well, what's the equivalent? I guess the rabbit would be the equivalent. Yeah. So, no, they are very much based, at least in the beginning, very much on African folktales. Yeah. And then they kind of got mushed together over time. And Which, I mean, I think that that's just kind of the the thing that you have to accept with these is the fact that it's just kind of like it's that it's that like Louisiana melting pot of like you're just getting everything from everywhere mixed together. It's called jambalaya. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Yeah, if it's not Native American folklore and it's like other Americana folklore, then you kind of have to expect that it is influenced by a bunch of other cultures coming together because, you know, if you're not Native American, you are not originally from America. So your stories aren't going to be the same as the people who actually lived in this land for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it is interesting that, that well, because this is also like then then filters the lens of the Odyssey. So ancient Greek, um, like and then it's it's the, the, the ada- same thing as adapting like here are some like southern cultural fixtures that have then been filtered through this Greek mythological lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it ends up being it's a very weird movie, but it's like it is very compelling. Like it's it's compelling. It it obviously doesn't cover everything, and it it shouldn't cover all. Uh, like basically, it's telling its story, and I don't think it it makes the point of having to tell anything else. I think the little bit with Tommy kind of illustrates like, hey, we recognize that this exists and it's bad, and maybe the entire Mississippi town like rallying against the clan is a little bit unusual mm. but you know basically it's a little take bit it, of a fantasy but you also say hey but this is also a crazy fantasy world where sirens exist so perhaps yeah. this is something that could have happened but again i think the the movie is it's not i don't think it's meant to be a, it's it's not trying to set a new story it's trying to like adapt like it's also a framework for yeah the music. it's it's adapting folklore a age old story and Into like, like real life situations that might have happened back during that time period. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. also activating uh, uh, Josh to do to, to activate his southern brainwashing. Or whatever. <laughs> Excuse me. I need to go order some grits and some Louisiana tea because I ain't drinking no Yankee tea. Um, <laughs> there was an incident. Oh, my God. We I'm in California. <laughs> there was an incident where, where uh, David and I were watching the film and I had a freak out moment just because the you know baby face is being like taken to the chair and i'm looking at the town in the dark and i was just like why does this town look really familiar oh my god it's stars hollow from gilmore girls oh, <laughs> oh it's the my sa- god I, the same set i full-on flipped the <laughs> hell heck out i was like no stars hollow it's the same set, it's, it's the same set. It's the same set as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, my God. Like, so then David was like, is this like their secret history? Like, is this, is this Star's Hollow secret Gil- history? Gilmore Girls takes Gilmore place Girls. in the same universe. Yeah, exactly. Somehow it's like gets Taylor tra- was part of the clan oh at some point. Like God. somehow, like through some of Elvira's like weird magic, gets transported to New England at some point. Exactly. It's just like, that's what happened. Like the gazebo was there, everything from the town was there, and I'm looking at it, going like, "Why does this place look really familiar?" <laughs> That's funny. And then I saw like the Dozy Market, and I was like, 
Oh, there it is. Okay, Aww. totally know like, where this is from. It's like, that it was is so weird. it's like it was planned to be in Starship Troopers. The they're like high school is the LA Convention Center. It's like, oh, that the, the giant auditorium there. Like, oh, that's like the main main hall of the convention center. Yeah, we could just purchase this for fifteen dollars in a song. Let's get everybody in there. Yeah, basically. All right. Ugh. Oh, brother, where art thou? I think you should watch it. It's yeah. good. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if anything, you should listen to it. It may activate you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, activate you. Yeah. It's just like just Sailor uh, Moon. <laughs> Start playing, oh brother, where art thou? You just do a little trans magic girl transform. I'm just imagining, yeah, yeah, but, but, yeah, just basically, it just turned like I do like a magical turn and it turns into like a ripped shirt and a pair of overalls. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> instead of yeah. like, you know, like the instead of the you know, sirens going like, ooh, you do, you just hear like the Josh is gonna be rolling coal on his way home. <laughs> Uh, the number. Well, you're super new. You're just standing there, like. I said, I, I I was born in Alabama, and the the thing I always say is that the number one thing that Alabama, the pretty much the only thing Alabama ever had going for it was Mississippi. Hello. Yep. I like the Josh. So I'm, getting, like, so I'm getting like elected to neither. He's he's walking in a trance and just goes over and like pulls the like pulls the cover off of his car and it's the it's, he's got the General Lee. <laughs> Ooh, no. Uh, Ooh, uh, oh boy. Mistakes were made. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, tell you what. Uh, speaking of mistakes being made. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, don't you dare. <laughs> Come on. You listen to the podcast. Oh, you know, <laughs> someone someone has to be like the sin eater for this episode who will, who will uh, die will, for I us. I will gladly take that helm. It's uh, not Martin. It's going to be I you. Because I have to. Because so, uh, <laughs> you have to. Because I have to. You don't have someone a choice. Has to. So in, someone has to. We invited a friend over uh, <laughs> to to bring something for the show. Uh, Stefan, what are we doing next episode? Next episode, we are going to watch that all-American classic, oh. that amazing film that everybody must watch, 2004's Catwoman, <laughs> starring... Oscar winner and Razzie winner Halle Berry yeah, and I, and uh, you know USA darling Sharon Stone. I have her Razzie speech saved, so oh, very uh, good, it's delightful. Yeah, it's great. Well, we'll play that. So yeah, get ready. We're gonna suit up next episode. And it's really the cat's meow. Um, uh, watch. Get oh. out. Get out. All right. Out. We're gonna we're gonna get guys get ready to hear about sexy Benjamin Bratt in this movie. Mm-hmm. And bad like he's a what is it impressions. And what is it he says? He's a man sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Why does he say that in the film? Yeah, yeah. When, when they're when like when Benjamin Bratt shows up at their office and like they have the gay coworker, oh, no, he's like, like uh, oh man, man sandwich. sandwich, twelve o'clock. Shouldn't that, that mean, shouldn't that mean there's like two or three guys and they're all yeah like, exactly? There's together? like three of them just like walking tightly together, but unfortunately not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's just Benjamin Bratt. Freaking Lance, that's his name, who only appears is. for like five seconds. Of that goofy smile. Yeah. And his, and his bizarre facial hair. We can, bizarre facial hair. We can talk about Catwoman next episode. Oh boy. Um, All right. All right. You can find us over at satfriendsclub.com, satfriendsclub on Twitter. You can find us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash satfriendsclub, where I guess we're now making a group to show cat photos. Um, and you not can also... Cat, not Catwoman photos. Not Catwoman photos. Cat <laughs> <for sure. laughs> Please. Potential T-Rex butts. Please do not <laughs> post... <laughs> 
please post your favorite uh but from power rangers i don't know um all right we tommy's will... i have yeah. a file for that it's jason's all the way <laughs> Fights are happening. Is do the butt like like the Bartman? Oh boy! Uh, we will catch you next episode for more Saturday Friends fun. Uh, Till then, sleep well, everyone.